Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints of Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill, and I'm your guide as we journey through the car care industry. You can find me on most platforms at Total Auto Solutions. If you're on TikTok, it's where I love to be. Find me at Detail Supply App. Best way to get in touch, though, shoot me a text direct, 918-800-1188. And this is the Community Pub. I'm continuing, and i have only down to the last couple episodes of my journey through seltzers. This has been my favorite, so I saved uh, this for a couple weeks. Uh, this is from New Belgium, and I love how all the different microbreweries have started. Once they saw the trend of everybody going seltzer, the microbreweries have all started putting out their own seltzers. Uh, uh, Tiffany, I see you're on uh, a Tulsa native. Have you tried uh, the uh, different seltzers from the local breweries? Um, only... No, not from any local breweries. No, no, just the White Claw. I've, I've tried it. I've tried what you know we've drank together, but nothing, no. nothing recent. Welltown has a good seltzer. Do they? Yeah, but I would say this has been my favorite, no doubt. Um, well done, New Belgium Fruit Smash. All right, Joey, I see you're cracking open a beer. Tell us what are you hopping into, man? I drink Big Wave. Nice Kona. Yeah, gonna get that tonight. Yeah, it's good. That would have been a great one. Yeah, we should have done that. If I wasn't in this whole seltzer thing, that would have been a perfect one to all drink together. Yep. Yeah, big waves is that's a good beer. Is that uh, is that your normal go to? Yep, that's my go to. I also drink IPAs and stuff like that too. But this is uh, you know, a great refreshing beer. It's not too strong, so that's what I drink. a nice blonde ale, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, who's making all those kind of noises? That must have been Alex hopping on. Alex, man, good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Uh, so, Joey, you know, give us a little bit of background. I'd love to learn about you. Your, um, your, well, I think a lot of people know who you are from being in groups. Um, you know, like your presence in groups is very. Uh, well, multiple groups, and you're regularly on there, and I'd love to chat about that here in a minute. But, you know, let's do that typical uh, typical podcast, Who's Joey Love? But let's do that 30-second version, you know, because uh, let's get into some good questions. Who who are you? I know Hawaii, right? Uh, always from Hawaii. Grew up there. What's your, uh, what's your story? So my dad was in the Navy. I ended up moving out here when I was about 15. Uh, my parents divorced, so I was sent to live with my dad. And um, he worked at a car dealership and he was a finance manager. And I started seeing the detail department. I started hanging out there after school because I was too young to get a job. And so what happened was when my I turned 16, I think I got my driver's license at 15. And somehow I got a job there. They let me detail their cars in their little detail compart- uh, area. And it's pretty much been detailing off and on ever since then. Um, you know, I took breaks and tried other things, but um, I always came back. What'd you try? So I tried construction. I went to the National Guard. I did uh, real estate. Um, I worked for a real estate office. I would do like cold calling, um, you know, 
refinance um, for, for people to refinance, just a bunch of different things. Um, yeah, I've tried serving, being a server at restaurants, but uh, I just ended up always coming back. I oh, body shops and stuff like that. I tried to sell cars. I was going to say, you know, with your dad being in that side of the industry, was that ever something you wanted to do? Yeah, well, he made it look easy. So, you know, he, <laughs> would, he would sell like 30 cars a month sometimes uh, when when he wasn't the finance manager. And then when he got promoted, his checks were like, you know, five to 10 grand. So it looked like, I, you know, I thought I could do it, but then I tried it. It was a lot harder than, uh, you know, what it, what he made it to look like. Detailing was easier for me, even though it was kind of hectic too. Do you remember your first car that you did? The first car that I did, no. Did we, so what we used to do at the dealership was we have a pier here. All the cars have to get shipped here. So I was, I was working at Dodge around the time the Eclipse uh, were, were big, the first Durangos, things of that nature. So all those cars were like the, the latest and greatest back then, like 1996. So I know I prepped a lot of brand new cars. We would just, we would wash clay, acid wash them and, you know, just prep them, take the stickers off. So I can't really remember my first car. There was a lot. We would, some days we would do like 22 cars in a day. Uh, you were right. Those Eclipse were kind of legendary. Everybody had them. They all sounded like. Yeah. My sister had one. They were horrible. Tiffany, did you ever have one? I can see. Were you, did you roll around in Eclipse? Oh, you're on mute. I didn't. Okay. So I had a girlfriend who had one and yeah, she was a reckless driver, but th those were, those were fun as all get out. Yeah. I, I did. I don't mean to age us by this statement, but I asked you because I looked around and I was like, I don't know many people that might've been old enough to do eclipses back in the day. <laughs> Brandon, you, huh? You had an eclipse. Yeah, I had one. I, I modded it out. I thought it was cool at the time. You know, one of those young things. <laughs> <laughs> they were cool at the time. Don't feel bad. They were cool. They were really cool. They were cool. They were kind of legendary. They were uh, they were a big deal. Now, this was fun. Yeah, but Genko jeans were also cool back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. Yeah. So. so what was detailing at a dealership like? It was hectic. So pretty much I would detail. I was also the lot tech. So, you know, in Hawaii, we have limited space. The mainland, as we call like the continental USA, you know, the dealerships are a lot bigger here. The cars are slam packed into a, a lot. So say if someone wants to buy a car that's way in the back, we have to move like 30 cars. And a lot of times I was the only one who was really trying to get hours. So I would have to do it all by myself. So I would have to pull all the cars out by myself prep the thing if it wasn't prepped or if it was already prepped, rewash it and slap some slingy tire dressing on it and get ready. It was, you know, it was pretty hectic. Yeah. yeah. Tiffany, is that similar to the way you, uh, your work at dealerships or what, how's life at dealerships when you look at it? Um, just exactly what Joey said, like <laughs> nasty cars and just smack some shit shine on it and call it a day. Oh, but it had to be perfect though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Joey, did you ever want to go back in and try and fix the problems or did you just stay away? So what happened around that time is I worked there for about till I was 18 and then I joined the national guard. When I came back, my dad had moved to another dealership where he was the GM. It was a little private, uh, dealership. 
And that's kind of where my detailing career, like, kind of stepped up a little bit because it was a private lot. There was a head detailer and there was just me. So we were doing all the cars for the lot and, you know, the pay was better. Uh, There's benefits. The boss was cool. And, um, you know, we would just do that there. But the guy that I worked with, he wasn't reliable. So I ended up somehow he got fired. I guess he did. He damaged the instrument cluster on a vehicle and didn't want to pay for it. It was like nine hundred dollars. And the and uh, so he got fired. So I ended up doing it all myself. And then from that point, you know, there'd be these wholesaler guys who would come and they'd say, oh, you should do it on your own. You know, we'll buy everything and you can detail with us. We'll partner. I never went with them, but, you know, I would always get offered a better job and then I would jump ship and go over there and then I would get offered another job. So I did that for a lot of years. I just I never really stayed at a place too too long. Because, you know, someone would offer me a $2 raise and I'd say, yeah, okay, I'll go with you. I'll go to your shop right down the road. When did you start? Uh, is It's Love's Loves Mobile Detail or Love's Detail? When did so you start? It's, Love, it's Love's Auto Detail. So I started that back in 2012. So pretty much up all the way. I, I just kind of floated around all the way. At some point I started, you know, I, I got hired at a shop. I had some like a bad point in my life where I kind of, I ended up, um, someone accused me of something that, cause I look like the other guy and I went to jail for a year. So I lost everything, uh, lost my job. So when I got out, I had probation. It wasn't me, but they said that someone that looked like me robbed this guy. So while I was in jail fighting that thing, which I ended up beating, I actually met the guy who did that, who did the c- crime. And he was telling me about it. He looked just like me too. I was so anyway, going to say, what do you think? Did you think he looked like you? Oh, he looked just like me. Yeah, we could. Uh, he might be one of my dad's kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I get out and I'm desperate for a job because probation, you need to find a job or they'll throw you back in jail. So I, I take the first job that hires me and it's a detail shop that was uh, in, in the area where I'm, I currently have my detail shop. So, you know, he, he had me come in there, do a quick trial. And he hired me. And then pretty much I took over his shop about the third month in, I was, you know, I was knocking it out and uh, I think I became manager and I worked there for about three years, but the relationship with him was kind of, it wasn't, it was good. We were friends, but his wife was the co-owner and she would micromanage everything. It was real frustrating because I could really make the business profit, but they had their ways of doing things and which was fine. I was only going to stay there until I got off probation anyway. So pretty much I started my business about a year before I was about to get off probation. And then the literally the second day I got off probation, I, I ended my work there and I started my own company. And what was it that finally pushed you over that limit? Cause I know there's plenty of people that uh, are working jobs and then also want to jump over into detailing. I mean, for me, um, not the same situation, but I was working a job and just quit it to go full time into detailing. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was so tired of my job that I just jumped right in. What was it that pushed you over the edge that made you finally want to do your own thing? Okay. So what really happened was I love the job, but the, the, the pay, the owner was stealing my tips. They were always shorting me. They were, you know, they, they didn't realize how big of an asset I was because the company was doing great, but it was just myself and the owner. So, you know, I, 
I was getting paid, but I also wanted to subsidize my income by working on my days off. So I would go on the other side of the island where it wouldn't affect his business. And I would detail vehicles. And I guess their church was over there. So one day they're coming home from church on a Sunday and they see me detailing in this lady's yard. And they, I guess they take pictures. So they have me come in on Monday. I do the full shift. The end of the day, they tell me that they saw me detailing and that they have to let me go. So I was like, that's fine. And, uh, you know, I've been preparing anyway. So other than that, if he was cool with that, um, I probably would still be working there. He was a good guy, but, you know, his wife was the one, you know, if I had an employee who was working, I I don't know. I don't think I would really care, but other people do. You know, if if I'm not able to pay an employee enough money and they want to go do something on the side, I'm all for it, you know, but they were, you know, like many people, they don't want their their uh, employee going and doing side jobs. So there comes a time where you got to pick, do you want to stay here or, you know, and I was making about half the week's pay on two days. So, you know, they kind of knew, I guess for their own uh, uh, security, they just kind of ended it. So they didn't have to worry about it anymore. But then, you know, a year later, their shop ended up closing. So that's tough. What's up, guys? This is Greg from Masterson's Car Care, and I want to invite you to our Masterson's two-year. What in the world? Uh, so, Joey, um, when you uh, when you jumped out, how was it at the first? So I was the I was the face of his business for you know three four years. I wasn't trying to like target his customers or whatever, but you know there was a lot of long term customers I had so I made the name love so that if someone wanted to use me they could easily find me and I wasn't trying to like I didn't I had access to all his market I did his all his marketing I did all his you know I didn't steal anything I didn't steal a single customer I didn't I just wanted to go on my own so I just kind of took whatever came my way I knew how to run ads and everything they didn't know how to run ads they didn't know how to do any marketing so what I did was I attacked the Facebook marketing place and back then you know it was it was more a little bit more acceptable and easy it was kind of new so i was picking up clients instantly and so i didn't miss a beat i oh, literally 2012 went, right that's when you said 2012 yeah yeah and it was cheap it super was, cheap to market so super cheap to market on facebook yeah i was getting so much work that i didn't have to pay for marketing for i would just go and i would get Tons of clients because what would happen is I would I went I had a, a different van I had a white van with logos there wasn't many mobile detailers at that time there were some but I I quickly shot ahead as the mobile detailing like go to guys especially I would go on base they'd see the van and I'd have five new customers I'd be at the base like a month at a time just off referrals and then I'd go to you know it would just keep growing but what I did in my slow time was I worked for a dealership. <laughs> doing their vehicles. Uh, it was a friend of mine and he was doing them. He was paying me like a hundred dollars a car, 80 to a hundred bucks a car, but he didn't care how it looked. He just make it look better. And I would do those on uh, the days I was slow. There was some slow times, but you know, when you start working for yourself, the, you know, you, the money seems like it's a lot more than, you know, maybe at my job, I was making 2,500 a week. And now this week I made four grand. So, but then you got to factor in taxes and all that stuff. So, Taxes, time, effort, risk, you know, chances, product. I mean, typically, though, product really isn't. I mean, I guess this is this could where, you know, it could go both ways. Right. I mean, depends on what product you use. Product normally shouldn't be a a major expense. 
Usually it's yeah. time, energy, and effort. Um, Tiffany, I know you, you know, cause I know you, right? Like you, you jumped out, right? You left a dealership and you jumped out on your own. What were those early months like? What was it like <laughs> being out on your own? Um, it was kind of scary, but you know, I just, I did it because like, if you don't do it, then how are you going to know if you're going to succeed if you don't just go out and do it? And so that's what I did. And of course you were there to help me and stand beside me and guide me through that process. So that helped. So yeah, if I didn't have you and the support that I have here in Tulsa from other detailers and whatnot, yeah, it probably would have sucked really bad, but <laughs> we'll have a pretty nice on the right from Massachusetts car care today. We have, okay. Uh, we, uh, we have a, uh, we have a pretty good group around here, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been fun. It's been fun that, uh, to see everybody continue to grow as everybody's, some people have stepped out on their own from other spots and doing different things. Alex, what's your early stories? I can't remember. Did you, did you quit a job to start detailing? How did you go? Yeah, so I, I had a, a pretty good salary position. Uh, I worked management for a property management company. Um, salary was good, but I, I still didn't like being restricted. Um, I, I don't like being told I, I can make this much and no more. Um, so what I did was I actually, I went and I started working for an auto transport and towing company. So days that I could book details, I would detail during the day, and then I would do repossessions and, and private property tows at night. Um and then day, days that I didn't have anything, I would, I would work that job during the day. Uh, and it was a great way for me to build up my clientele um, until I could go full time. Okay. And what was it like for you stepping out? How was that? It, it, well, honestly, doing, doing it the way I did with the tow company, it, it worked out really well. I was able to build big enough clientele that I felt pretty confident jumping right into it. And I, I was only there, uh, I think, September until February. Of, of the year that I, that I left there. So it was only a few months. Okay, cool. Jordan, man, good to see you. What are you drinking tonight? I think you're muted. It looks I'm like you're drinking a nice... something wild. I, I was saving this one for a couple weeks. Slushy what? Slushy. Slushy XXL Yabba Dabba. Smoothie style <laughs> ale. It's like pretty pebble. So, yeah. Mango, orange, cherry, raspberry, lime, fruity flake cereal, and fruity pebbles OG terpene. So it's got THC in it. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, I heard that OG terpenes in it. That's interesting. It's from 450 North Brewing Company out of Indiana. So Indiana. Huh. It tastes like a slushy. It's really weird. I had it in the freezer for like an hour. Tastes like a slushy, and then I mean, what's I mean, it it doesn't actually have THC, right? That's not. Yeah. It has THC in it. What's yeah. its level of THC? I have no idea. Huh? Have you but had it? it before? I'm not a good. Huh? Have you had it before? I've had, yeah, I've had a couple different. I got a variety four pack as a tip for my client, so I had to try it. Well, that's a nice little gift. But they're the yeah, they're usually ten bucks a piece, so ah. it's not a bad. Yeah, I think uh, this is an interesting question. I think Alex and Joey have gotten some interesting. I'm sure there's some other people. 
Joey, what's been your most interesting gift from a client? I've gotten a client gave me a 2002 Chevy SS. Oh, Extreme. Sorry. Extreme. Gave you a car? Yeah. Gave me a car. I maintained it for about eight years. And then one day I cleaned it. He paid me and he said, here's the keys. It's yours. Um, Yeah, I've gotten I've gotten some crazy gifts. I had another client. He saw me. I was starting my own back in 2012. I was so proud of my generator and it was just a cheap generator. And he's like, oh, I, I was like, I paid 500 bucks for this and I'm all excited. The thing was so loud. It shook, you know, you <laughs> shook the whole van. So anyway, I detail his cars and he gives me a tip of 500 bucks. He's like, go get a Honda. <laughs> he's like, sell that and get a Honda. Oh, yeah. Alex, what's the craziest gift you've gotten? I don't know if I can say. Well, I'm going to ask oh, that question you, here in a minute. You got to say it now, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> was it just a tip around back? Is that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had people try to give me the tip. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, th- so this one guy detail for him, man. It's it's bizarre. I, I've never I've never accepted his tips, but oh man, it's it's crazy. But he, he has a collection of cars and he doesn't question my prices. So fuck, say what you want. Yeah. <laughs> Joey, what was the first beer you ever drank? First beer I ever drank? Yeah. Probably a Budweiser. Er, yeah. Best commercial still of all time if we're going to talk old school. Bud, <laughs> yeah. Bud with Bud the frogs. Yeah. Uh, what was the first time you got drunk? First time I got drunk, I... Shoot. Man, that's tough. Um. I think it was when I was about 12 at a friend's house. Uh, his mom let us drink. <laughs> She's one of those. And uh, yeah, we drank some Mad Dog 2020 or something and just got just destroyed. Puking. And, yeah. What? Uh, I see you're vaping. What do you like to vape? I like uh, Nick Salt. Stuff like that. That's why, what I was just doing. But And I've got... Uh, you know, I don't like those big things. I just got this. The, you know, those big, uh, complicated vapes. I like the pod. The douche so. boots. Yeah. And uh, are you a, a THC partaker as well? You know, I get too... This, I used to be, and now I get so paranoid. I, the, the weed is so powerful these days that... No, nah, it's not for me. I mean, I've had some good stuff that's not, uh, like makes me paranoid but most of it seems like it's overpowered and just super sketchy do you ever have a do you ever have a story of uh being high and drunk at the same time oh yeah i lived in vegas so i have a, <laughs> i have a bunch of stories so it's interesting my high and drunk first time story was in vegas also uh i went to that rupes uh some a bunch of detailers. This would have been like 20, geez, yeah, like 2015 or something like that. A bunch of detailers had rented this big mansion, and the rumor was that it was uh, uh, Prince, Prince would use to use it to record certain things. And I mean, you and when you went around this place, I mean, it was it was weird, right? Like, I had some really quirky things. Some guys from California were there passing around you know, some smokes and they were like, Hey, you know, it's, it's from Cali. It's good. I'm like, okay. 
Well, about the same time, the bartenders had run out of the whiskey I was drinking. I had to go to Maker's Mark. So not only did I get mixed up with Maker's Mark, which is my nemesis, but Cali Weed, and I was seeing so many stars. But the final time that I was like, fuck this, and I went and laid down was because we were in this big, giant, like, club inside of this mansion, right? I'm high. Yeah. I'm, I'm drunk. Nah-ish. And I'm looking around, and I go, fuck yeah, it's a club, like, yeah, let's do it. And then I go, wait a second. There's nothing but dudes here. <laughs> like, I'm out. Like, and I go find this little uh, place to sit down and basically pass out. And the story is I'm puking in cups for the rest of, you know, the rest of the night. It was it was brutal. Um, <laughs> so, Joey, uh, walk us through your journey in professional detailing, because I, I it, it's interesting, right? I mean, you mobile, but then you have a shop, too. Is that or no? You're you're by yourself or you're not. I, I'm I'm a little unclear. OK, so, yes, I have I was mobile. And so I was trying to transition. I, I Hawaii, there's real limited um, like shops available right now. There's some available. But when I was looking, there was some real, it was real limited to what there was available. And so one of my clients bought this warehouse. Now, this is like what I call the ugly side where you're seeing back here. There's like the stairs. The wall is not painted. This is like where I put all my stuff. The other side is the side where I have like, you can take photos. It's a little bit nicer. And um, so anyway, yeah, I January or last year, I, I got the news that I could rent this shop. I, I would have it on January. They were, he was building his practice. So my shop is weird. In the front, there's an acupuncture office and uh, it's like natural medicine. And this back area wasn't getting used. So I was like, I, my friend was showing me his business. And I was like, let me rent that back area. And he was cool with it. So he let me rent it. So I was going with the mobile thing. And the mobile's good. But I feel like I was really capped at what I could make. You know, and I was doing decent numbers. But, you know, there was still, you you know you could do better. But you, I didn't really want the commitment of a shop unless the price was really affordable. So I found something really affordable and affordable compared to the mainland, you know, this unit, if, if it, if he didn't have this thing in the front, they go for like 55 to 7,500. So I'm running just the back area about a thousand square foot. So it's significantly cheaper. Um, and that's another reason why, I mean, I don't really want to be forced to hire people. I do have helpers and I have like an office, uh, manager, but, uh, for the most part, I want to keep it lean you know, and, and do mostly big ticket items. So as far as the mobile thing goes, you know, if, if someone has a coding at their house and they're, they don't want to bring it here, I can go do that. Um, you know, I have elderly clients that they, they prefer mobile and I might still keep them. So what I've done is I've transitioned out of mobile. I keep, I keep certain clients that are worth it, but as far as, you know, there may be a situation down at the pier, the, 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 the pier where they get overspray uh, on a bunch of cars. So I want to still have that mobile thing where if it's a 10 or $20,000 job, I'll go out there and do it. Or if there's something where they need mobile and it's worth it, I'll do it. But yeah, for the most part, I tell everyone they have to bring it here now and everyone's happy with it. They just drop it off. We do have a lobby in the front. It's not my lobby, but the, the landlord, the owner is cool. And uh, he also gets clients from my clients. So it's kind of cool. We, 
uh, I get clients from him. He gets clients from me. So it's, it's a great situation how it's worked out. Yeah. Kind of like a flex hybrid version. Yeah. We completely, yeah. That, we think that's probably the best way. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, still maintaining. Do you still, I know you said you're, you're mostly looking at the big ticket items now, but did you start your business and grow your business off of maintenance? Is that the way it started? I started, okay, so I started my business off of basically washes and details. So I would do anything to get some work because I, would, I didn't know if my business was going to succeed. So every single person that called my phone, I serviced. If he was calling for a $75 interior, I would go do it. If they wanted a $40 wash, I would go do it. So I just kind of, because I figured, you know, if they see me in the neighborhood enough times, they're going to say, oh, yeah, we'll use this guy. So what happened was once I started getting really busy their referrals say if i'm washing someone's car okay and then he sends a friend over to talk to me and they don't discuss the price of what service they're getting that new customer i would tell him my new price with my new service so that's how i got myself out of poverty basically you know i'd be doing a 40 dollars wash i'd tell that guy yeah it's 250 to do a detail on your car and then i'd schedule him and now when i'm over there you know i would do the same thing so Getting out of the wash thing was really hard. That's why I recommend don't start cheap because it's going to take you years. Like I'm still getting rid of people who think that, I, you know, I can come and do a $40 or $50 wash. And, you know, it's customers I've had for 10 years, uh, even from my last job. So you want to start off in a good area where, you know, think, think ahead. But yeah. Um, Let, let's toss that around to the community real quick. You know, people hop in, you know, I was going to say guys, but Tiffany, thank you also for for being on everybody hop in, you know, what, what's been your journey? You know, did you start cheap also and then progressed? What, what have you guys done? All right. I'll go with Brandon from Tim's then if nobody's going to speak up, I'm going to just throw that out. Brandon from Tim's, what have you done? Oh uh, yeah, no, I started out super cheap. Um, and then, you know, I've worked my way up slowly and, you know, you do lose some customers when you raise prices, but I mean, you, you, I think you kind of need to start cheap, but you know, if you can start high, that's great. But um, I think you kind of need to start cheap because nobody's going to hire you because they don't know you. And that was kind of my philosophy. Then I just, the more credit credit I got, you know, the just started raising my prices slowly. All right, cool. Jordan, what about you? How'd you, uh, how'd you get started? Yeah, I started when I was, I started this part-time. So I would go all over the state of Michigan after like high end clients, but I didn't know what to charge, you know? So I started cheap when I shouldn't have been, you know, I was traveling all over, not charging for mileage, you know, just doing stuff like that. But I was also growing it. So when I did move into a shop and do full time, I had people coming to me, but that's when I was doing more cheaper cars. But now I'm in the transition where I'm after, just trying to focus more and get landing coatings and stuff. That's all I advertise anymore. I don't ever advertise interior, but I get them. But I mean, I do that, but I've always had big projects come, come across my way too. big campers, big boats, you know? So I'm always trying to get that big ticket item with bigger projects, but yeah, I mean, we, we started all want, cheap when I shouldn't have been, but it's we learning want more for our time. Right. I mean, yeah. that's that's why we do it is to continually get paid more for what what we spend time on. Definitely. 
Definitely. Yeah, so I'm with you. Uh, Think Eco, what about you? Little unmute. How'd you get started? Did you start really cheap and then you've progressed out or what, what's been your journey? Okay, give me one second. I'm not sure what it did. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, you. We can hear you. So go ahead. What? Did, how'd you get started? Uh. Okay, got it. Um. Well, um, I started. It was. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, I started. I kind of started like uh, years ago. Uh, I started mobile and doing job for a dealer. And then I make a pause. I just found a better job opportunity. And then I just keep working there. And uh, I started uh, uh, in 2019. And I started at the mall. Uh, I got a contract with the mall. So I rent some spaces there. And I got the, um, the customers from the mall. Uh, $50 jobs, um, you know, like a the regular uh, wash maintenance, uh, vacuum and, and wash and wax. And uh, and then with the time, I just added the uh, the details and I took some training with uh, Detail King and then I just started uh, doing more details and now I'm just doing more details than regular washes. Okay, more and more regular washes. Okay, cool, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing. So, Joey, you said you've kind of transitioned. You're you're trying to hit more of those bigger ticket items. Uh, what's what's that been like? What what you know? Why I guess? And um, is it because of the solopreneur you know mindset? And and just you, I guess explain what what your journey's been like. So for me, I've been every year. I analyze data. I see trends. I see things. So I'm. I, I'm focusing on the things that are working for me and I'm getting rid of the things that don't. So I hate to sound like an ad, but ever since I joined Ceramic Pro and I started talking to Adam Cote, you know, I kind of forced Adam Cote to be my mentor, even though he doesn't really do that. But, you know, I'll, I'll text him late at night and hopefully he's had a glass of wine or something and he'll tell me things. And he has been the sole reason why my business has like gotten to the next level. Um, he kind of pushed me. And so, you know, he, he would say things, I would tell him things and he would say, yeah, but this is because of this, or you should do this or try this, or this is what I do. He doesn't really try to mentor. He just, when he speaks, he gives me clues. And then I don't, I don't. So basically, you know, I was focusing on the details, the full details and the maintenance. That was my thing. The next level for me after the cheap maintenance washes and the wash and waxes. <laughs> and so those were going good, but you know, like people say, and I hate this, I hate to admit that, yeah, maybe we do get old and our bodies start to break down. And I started to notice like, okay, while I'm detailing an interior, my body's really sore the next day. So I need to do right. something else. And so I realized, you know, ceramic coatings were the equivalent of maybe five details sometimes if I'm charging two fifty. Um, you know, my prices are a little bit more now, you know, I start my prices at 300 for detail and if people want to do it, that's cool. If not, that's fine too. Even if their car is clean. And so I started seeing that people would, will pay it. And so, you know, just like when you first start out and you're doing $50 washes and you sell someone a $250 detail 
and they don't bat an eye. And then you start to realize I need to target people like that. And so I really 2020, the year of COVID, um, end of 2019, I really started focusing on SEO. I wanted to see, I started watching my numbers. I started, uh, you know, I started paying attention to things and I started messing with my Google business page a lot, adding photos. And I started seeing, okay, it takes about three months for the effort that I put in to really start to show. So I started doing that. And then when I started focusing on ceramic coatings, tagging ceramic coatings and stuff, the whole time I was doing it with Facebook and I was doing it with Instagram, I wasn't getting any, I would get cheap people. When I started doing it on Google and I started really beating it up, like it was a Facebook post or whatever, I started getting almost overnight results. Six months to me is overnight results um, where every call now, I would say out of 10 inquiries I get, two are details and the other eight are ceramic coatings. So it's a process. You need to start doing it now if you're trying to do that. And it's something that don't discourage that, oh, it's been three, two months and I haven't seen any. It's a long process. And for me, I'm a slow learner. Unless you're dumping money into it and you have a good team that knows what they're doing, you can do it yourself for relatively free. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're using the tools that are available. But, you know, if you're, if you're going to put in the effort, it's almost the same as putting in cash. So you can do it that way or you can pay for ads. So now what I do is I, I do my Google. I do as much free stuff as I can. And I also pay for ads because... I want just an extra little shot. I want percentages matter. If I right now I had 30,000 people look at my business page and I only book maybe not even a hundred people. So I don't know what percent that is. The, the whole thing is you want to get your percentages as high as you can or your, your views up. So your percentage goes up even just 1%. You know, if I get 1% of those people to do ceramic coatings, which is not even that it's way less, it's just a numbers game. So the more you, the more people that see it, hopefully, uh, the more coding you book. But, you know, there's people that do it way better than me. I'm just, I don't really ask for help. I try to figure it out on my own, but I, I do see what's working. That's why I make small moves at a time so I can say, oh, yeah, that worked. This doesn't. So I'll run like three or four ads. I'll see which ones are paying off. I'll ask customers, where did you see it? They'll say the ad, and then I'll know that ad's working. These other two aren't. And obviously, they're not making much, you know, they're not costing a lot, so... Yeah. So, so what, now you said ahead. you have an office manager, but I mean, I, and you have some people that help out, but I've seen some posts from you in some groups. I mean, you're, you're pretty predominant. Like you want to stay solopreneur and you've said stuff like almost like outlet, like fuck everybody that tells me I got to bring in people. I want to stay solopreneur. Like what's your, like, I mean, why, why, why just stay you? Like what, what's the, what's the reason? So back to the shop that I used to manage, I had a team of five people, usually. Sometimes it'd be more, sometimes it'd be less. We had a high turnover rate. You know, the good guys, you know, it takes it takes a certain kind of person to detail and actually give a fuck at the end of the day and to come here tomorrow and do it again and, and care each day. And that's just a trait that I don't find in a lot of people. But I've been talking to mentors and they're like, yeah, they're not going to be perfect. So for me, I mean... You know, I, I, I do have two helpers now. They're part-time. I call them in when it's crunch time. I pay them 20 bucks an hour. Um, you know, they, they come in. So I'm not a, I'm not totally against having workers, but, you know, if, if someone's going to shine and show me, yeah, I'm fucking the guy you want, then, yeah, I will hire. 
but I don't find, I haven't found anyone like that. And it's not like I'm out there trying to find them. The people come to me and they're usually in my circle and they're like, yeah, I want to work, whatever. And I just, you know, I, I don't see me in them. So like when I was, if I came to any shop, right. I don't care how much you were paying me. If you gave me a chance to work for you, I'm going to excel. I'm not going to bitch about the money. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to show you. And then in six months or whatever, when I've established that, look, I'm an asset to your company. Hopefully you come to me with a raise because I may move on. And usually what happens is my old boss, he would come to me with raises. He paid me really well. At one point, I think I was making as much as him at his own company because, I mean, he could leave, leave his job and not have to worry. I would do it all. I'd manage the guys. I'd do payroll. I'd do the ads. Like, I ran that shop. And, you know, I just haven't found anyone close to that. Now, right now, I do have someone. It's a female. She's similar to that. She's young. And, you know, she does great work. So it's also a family member. So we're going to see how it goes. But I think you know, she's, she does have some traits where she's like, she shows up 15 minutes early or even 30 minutes early and sits in her car. Like she's just one of those me. I show up early to my jobs. Like I try to be a hit. I try, you know, from being in the national guard, there's just things that you do where it's like, yeah, I want to be ready for the bullshit. So I come in early and that's pretty much how I, the kind of things I look for. So I'll, I'll pay someone that's worth it. I don't, Money is not the thing because I'm going to still be working. I like, I'm a hands-on guy and I'm not trying to profit off of employees so much. I'm more trying to pr provide an opportunity for them while I still work. Cause I love, I love doing this and you know, I couldn't just be the boss that sits around and collects. It's just not who I am. I'm a worker. I'm not really meant to be a boss. That's why my wife is the boss of my company. And I'm the, I do I, whatever I'm good at. That's what I do. She does all the administrative stuff. She does the taxes, all this stuff. I do the grunt work stuff. That's who I am. So I basically created a good paying job for myself that I wanted that I can, I can vape at my job. You know, if it's, you know, I can just do whatever I want. So that's what I wanted, you know? And how long do you think you can go? I think I can get, honestly, <laughs> if I, you know, I, I like to, I have a lot of ego, I guess. Uh, you know, I don't realize it until I look back on things I said. I know I can go for a while, but yeah, I'm starting to think, I'm starting to understand why people get employees because the amount of workload that I have is just out of control. It's just too much. I need help. And I'm, you know, I'm not Superman. And I, before I thought I was Superman and I used to be like, yeah, I did all these cars by myself, but really that's, you know, you, you're going to feel it at some point. I'm starting to feel it. So I need to now, get how old are you? I'm 40. Oh, yeah. You're definitely feeling it. Yeah, I'm 43. Uh, Tiffany, she feels it. Dave, he feels it. I mean, you think of anybody that gets over that age, I mean, you really do. It does start to take a major effect of your body. Yeah. But there is no doubt, right? Let's just, I mean, there is no doubt. It, if every major company right now in America is having problems with if you want to call them team members or employees, whichever you want to go. I mean, we have nonstop issues with UPS and they always just keep saying, well, it's the warehouse. It's the people. It's the, the right. Employees are always tough. We can look at, you know, Brandon with Tim's, right? I mean, you've gone through some issues lately. It's been tough, right? You, you start to, to bring people up. Uh, Ronald is a good example uh, Ronald comes in every once in a while. He's from New England. He's even brought team members out to SEMA and done a bunch of stuff for him and tried to help him. And months later, they all bounce, right? I mean, 
finding the right employees, you're right. It, it's extremely, extremely difficult. But as business owners, it's kind of our right to push in that direction. And, and we should push our own selves to expand into learning how to have team members. Because you're right. I mean, we might love what we're doing, but our body only goes so far, right? I mean, Dave can make a testimony of this. He's gone through health problems. There's a bunch of people that go through health problems as you continue to get through life. Um, so speaking of health and speaking of life, I see uh, Nick is uh, putting his final touches on something. Nick, what are you cooking tonight? Because it's it looks like the way you're waving your arms around. We got a nice tasty dish. Joey, this is Nick Grooms. He's out of Nashville. He's a detailer with uh, Tesla. And he does cooking with Nick and he uh, walks us through every night of what he's cooking. So Nick, That's what awesome. are you cooking tonight? We are just getting started. If I'm being honest, we're going to do uh, another Mongolian beef, you All know, right. like Panda Express style, you know, basically um, got a whole bunch of New York strip in the fridge, slice that up, throw some fragrances and stuff in there, saute it up, fry it up, throw it together. We'll see what comes out. Cool. All right. Looking forward to it. Uh, Alex, uh, before I hop into the next question, Joey, I want your opinion on this. Um, why are you so active in groups? What is it about detailing groups that, uh, gets you going and why are you regularly in them? Okay. So I'm going to answer that question. And, oh, hold on, you know, Joey. I was saying that over to Alex and I was going to awesome. come to you. I was going to bounce okay. around for a little bit. I'll come right back to you, Joey. All right. Sounds good. I, honestly, I, I like I like the balance between helping people, and and I I mean I, I like to troll people from time to time. Um, it's you're aggressive sometimes, right? In different groups, you you've got a different you know. Sometimes you're you're you know nice and you give info, but then sometimes, right? You've even tagged me in some things where it's an aggressive post and people are kind of going after each other. Yeah, I, I try I try to find a, a decent balance. Like I can't stand when people come into groups. And all they do is talk shit. But but when you click on their name and you, you can see that they have no posts or their posts were asking stupid fucking questions themselves because there, there is such thing as a stupid question and, and there's a lot of them posted. Um, but like if, if you contribute and you want to you want to fuck around a little bit every once in a while, like I'm all for that. Um, so it's I don't, know, I don't I don't really I don't really learn anything from from the groups. It's a lot of just repetitive shit that everybody I would assume it's seen already. Um, but if I can contribute, I, I enjoy that. Um, so is it more entertainment? You're in groups for entertainment? Yeah. 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 It's, Def it's definitely you, entertainment. Right. So people, I used to think it was really strange, right? I, I always thought it was super odd where people would go and watch other people play video games. Yeah. It's, it's, it's similar to that. It's along those yeah, lines. Like, like yeah. Right. Yeah. It's almost yeah. similar, right? Like it's, it's really for me. That's the way it was until Facebook started streaming them. Right. And I, I love Fortnite. I love everything about it. Right. I just suck at building. So I'm not great at it. And <laughs> as I would put stuff out and begun on Facebook and doing stuff, once they, once they started streaming people playing Fortnite, boy, it's really hard not to just watch them for a little bit. Like it, <laughs> That's my, I've found that I'll grab that as my like brief moments of entertainment. So I, I can definitely understand uh, how groups can be entertaining and, 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 and using Facebook for that. Derek, Brandon, you guys, uh, do you go into groups for entertainment or what do you go into groups at all? I, I go in, I mean, 
I, I keep an eye on a couple of the groups, uh, especially if I'm using a product from them, just to kind of get some tips here and there. But uh, I mean, there's some good things, but uh, lately it's been a lot of like we said, repetitive questions and stuff. And I'll I'll just look at look at some stuff, but like uh, Alex is saying, entertainment because just reading some of the comments that people when people some people ask something, just reading some of the comments, I'm just like, oh man, look at this, or finding out how much people are charging. Or lately, it's been a lot of guys taking a pic, like screenshotting guys doing uh, full details for $50 and then they'll, they'll like take a picture of a dude like are washing a car with a brush and then you just read the comments and lately there's some pretty vicious comments where people are like bro like stop posting this stuff and go go detail stop making fun of this guy he's out there working and I'm just like whoa so I only post in some groups but I try to just be in the background a little bit okay cool Shawshank I'll do it that way yeah, I, I went into a group when I started and all I saw was a lot of negativity, a lot of people giving advice on things that it didn't seem like they should be giving advice on. And I haven't been back in since, so I don't really go in them. Um, I tried it and it didn't seem to benefit me at all. So I never went back in one. Brandon from Tim's. Yeah, I never really seen the benefits of being in a detail group. Um but I mean, I'm in a lot, a lot of local groups trying to, you know, engage there. But, you know, as far as the detail groups, I never really saw much of a benefit. It's just a bunch of people, you know, bashing each other and a lot of negativity, like you said. So. It's tough, right? Because that seems to be the way the industry is getting information, right? Like as the journey to way in my vision, the way I see it, not vision, that's the wrong word. Uh, my view on the industry inside of social media inside of uh, the internet, it first started. And when we had, you know, when we had Mike on and he talked about the way he did with auto geek, the way auto geeks grew so much was him sitting in these forums, answering questions and talking with people, right? The progression into social media. And then the opening of the groups is, Anybody can say and do whatever they want, right? That's this term keyboard warrior. Like it's, it is interesting in the groups where that has come out, but there is so much valid information that does get put out. It is kind of hard to decipher through different groups. Tiffany, I know you're in uh, the detailers of Oklahoma as well and some other national groups. What's it been like for you inside the groups? How, how do you like it? Um. Well, I, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to the, the bickering or the bantering that goes on. I'm, I'm there in those groups so I can gain knowledge from those who I look up to. Um, so if they're doing something that maybe I might have trouble with, they actually showed it that day. And I don't, I don't really go into the comments. That's just too much drama. I mean, the first negative comment, I'm like, okay, I'm out. Like, I just don't, I don't need that. Yeah, I, I totally understand. All right, Joey, you're a big predominant. How many, let me just ask you this. How many groups are you an admin for? I, I, like, <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it, I'm going to guess four. That's going to be my guess. I think like five. Oh, I, was, I had five and I pulled it down. All right, so five admins. Why? I mean, 
why are you so predominant in the groups? What is it that you found so beneficial for you, right? I mean, we all do things differently. That's open. That's why we always say, you know, everybody can come on and explain why they do things. So would love to know, you know, why are you so predominant in the groups? So the reason why I started all these groups is back um, six years ago. You started them? I started detailing for money with Hector. I started some other. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. Um, Who's Hector? Hector is my, was the partner um, who helped grow the group, but I was pretty much the face of detailing for money. So when the group, yeah, when the group was small, about 1500, it was a great source of information. You know, I, but my, my thing was eventually to gain monetization. um, First I started out, you know, promoting products to get free products because I was, you know, who doesn't love a box of products in the mail to try, you know? So I would do that and I would get a response from manufacturers. They would send me products to try. And a lot of them send me, you know, coatings, things, products or whatever. And I don't post it if I don't like it. So I was doing that and that was my pay. But then at some point I realized some people might pay cash. And that's kind of when I realized these groups actually have a purpose for me. Now I see a lot of guys, you know, they'll, they'll stay, they'll have a picture of themselves and say, Oh, you got to try this. They're not getting any money. You know, they're just kind of sharing what they use. But the key is to get someone to give you money to do that. And that's hard because not everybody wants to do that. Most companies just want to throw you a bottle and then detailers are like, Hey, I got a free package. Let me show what I got. But the key is if these guys are making money on Instagram, they're making money on this is to, somehow get attention from a manufacturer so that you can sign a deal with them so that potentially you could have a partnership and then you don't have to detail forever. So that was my thing going in six years ago. I wanted to get the attention of a manufacturer or a coding company and possibly get a offer for a industry job for when I, you know, down the road. So did you get a nice little check from anybody? So uh, I have some deals in the works that with some partners Congratulations. Um, the thing is this, it's not really about, you know, it's not about promoting products anymore. It's more about what can we create together that's going to help detailers better their business. I'm over the product game. The products, yeah, I don't want free products. I'll just buy the stuff I like. I pretty much tried most of the stuff. But what I want to do is team up with a company or companies that can create something that can generate um residual income for detailers that detail. And we have a company that's we're partnering with that I'm partnering with. that's going to bring uh, two companies that are going to do that, two different sectors. Um, and I can't really get into detail about it, yeah. but there, these things are coming and it's going to be great. And it's not going to be, we're shilling to get you to, you know, click bait you to try our product. This is going to be a thing where you're going to see it and you're going to say, this works, this is perfect. Or it doesn't work for me. And, you know, it's an ongoing process and I'm just excited to get it out. But these things take time. And I'm just want to get to that point where we can help people. That's really what we started this detailing for money for us to help people. But it, along the way, we hit some bumps and then, yeah, I troll and stuff like that because I'm just over the questions too, the repetitive questions, the silliness. And I really don't like when people bash other people. You know, I was a guy who these guys that are laughing at these guys, like I was the guy that they would have laughed at back, uh, you know, eight years ago for doing a $75 full detail because I want to fill a slot 
and I can go buy groceries with that, you know? So I get it on both sides. The only side of the industry I haven't seen is being the rich side, you know, like I've seen all the levels going up to where I, I want to be on the rich side looking in and say, okay, yeah, this is a different perspective. So, you know, hopefully that's going to happen, but you know, I like slow progress because I I'm, I'm responsible for a family and uh, other people too, the family members. So I don't want to, I don't want to take too big a risk where I fall back and now I have to regroup just to get back to where I'm at. I want to take my time, do things right. And so that's pretty much what I'm, I see is going to happen with these detailing groups. So it's going to pay off and it's going to help others. That's what I'm in. It's interesting though, inside the groups, I mean, full, I'm just going to full disclosure, you know, Greg comes on uh, every Tuesday, Greg Masterson, and I know, you know, he's in and out of the different groups. He's always got problems going on. Uh, it, it's interesting that, you know, on Tuesday, he talked about how these, a lot of these uh, groups are basically like what you're saying is, is a paid funnel for brands to be able to make money off of the people in the group. Is that what you found or what, what's, how do you see, you know, what, is there a defense for, I mean, he, he was pretty open this past Tuesday on the episode about detailing for money's pretty much that, I mean, is that, is that, is that a thing so, or is that a, not a thing? You so know, detailing for money has no, like, there's no one controlling it. We left it open and it hopes that, you know, maybe a big guy will come and be like, Hey, we're not going to sell our souls or detailing for money souls, but we might sell our soul. Like if a company comes to me and they send me a product and they're like, Hey, try this. And I like it. And you know, they just so happen to want to give me um, some free product to, to share my experience with it. That's, that's the kind of stuff that happens in detailing for money. There's no one that solely owns it. I know for a long time, they're like ceramic pro or whatever. The reason why I promote ceramic pro is because I literally had to beg Adam Cote for like two years to get me in because there's territory and stuff like that. The shot, the auto spa that's here didn't want anyone else. So I was like, can you guys work some kind of deal to get me to be able to do it, to be able to use ceramic pro? Cause I want to see if it really works. Joey, and- I'm so glad you said that because I've, I've just, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I mean, that's you, you basically just said what I've said. Territories are meaningless, right? There's they people that have, can come in and take over parts of territories. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of so, odd, isn't it? So the thing is, if, if you're, if you're from what I've learned, I, I don't speak for ceramic pro. I don't work for them. I'm just an installer. But from my experience, if you're committed to being an auto spa where you're spending, you know, you're, you're you have a partnership, you're going to spend X amount. They, they're going to protect you. Now, if you're powered by, they're going to give you a smaller position. Uh, area. If you're just an installer who signed up there, there's really no protection unless you grow and you continue. Like right now I'm trying to get powered by, they don't even give me any special attention. Um, in that sense, I have to be like, go through the motions of everyone else. So I, there is some fairness. It just, if you're an install, say if I'm an installer, right. And I'm only committed to X amount, then, you know, why would they shut their door on someone who might be more? And that's where the problem comes in with these installers, um, their program is great. I get it. You know, I don't get offended if someone else has it, but at the same time, like you have to be a partner with them to really get, you know, the protection that you're, you're looking for. So if you're willing to step up, they're going to give it to you, but you know, there's guys that'll come and they'll buy one bottle of sport. Now the guy who is going to open a a big, massive shop down the road, like, why are they going to say, no, I'm sorry. we got a guy already in that area. So it makes sense to me. 
And, and IGL did the same type of thing. You know, <laughs> we would have guys that once uh, want Kenzo, right? Kenzo was like their, their top tier coding. They wouldn't give it to you because there's already someone there. And, you know, that guy may only buy one bottle of Kenzo like every three months. So he's not really committed. You know, he's using other stuff too. He's just kind of like, he, he, he's not loyal. You know, I found that the loyal people to surround pro get there, get blessed, you know, and I, that's why I'm loyal. And I'm not like, I don't get paid by them to be like, oh yeah, this product, the thing that it, the, I'm just like, say, if you found Jesus, right. If you first found Jesus and you're super <laughs> excited, like, man, you got to get with this. That's how I felt because I was with the IGL and I wasn't gaining the traction. Yeah. I was selling coatings, but I wasn't selling coatings like how I am now that I put ceramic pro on my website. Like it's huge. It's a huge difference. And they also focus more on the business side. So for me to go on and tell people about ceramic pro, that's, that's not, I'm not being paid to do that. That's just me. Like, Hey, maybe you should try it. It worked for me. That's all it is. You know, they don't tell me, go, they tell me actually don't talk about it because it's pissing people off. So I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I am totally on all that. I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid for a little bit too until they started adding other people in and then they told me, Oh, sorry. And I was like, Oh, well, what do you mean? Sorry. Like, I mean, and there, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned IGL. I mean, there's plenty of other brands and we're not going to use this time to just go pick them off, but it's like, it's this theory that if you pay in and if you do this and you continue to do that, they'll, they'll supply and they'll give you this territory, but then the territory never really, there's really anybody else that wants to pay in and give them more money then they're going to get the territory too. I mean, we've seen that here in Oklahoma and we've seen it throughout the States. It, it's just an interesting thing that kind of really started going over the years, but everybody that comes on and anybody we talk to, there's always an issue with the territory. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not going to say I haven't heard these, these things either. Um, you know, I've heard people say similar things like that. I can only say for what I've experienced and they've been great, but yes, yeah, I've have heard right. things like that too. And there's a lot of guys that have jumped ship. Um, you know, for me, it's working, but I can't say, you know, I I've only been with them almost two years. So, uh, so far so good, but I'm sure, you know, <laughs> I'm sure time will tell basically. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, Alex, as you've been in these groups, um, uh, when you get experience with different brands that come around, I mean, is that something you've experienced too? Do people offer to, you know, if you'll put stuff out, is that a thing or how, how's your group experience been with brands? Um, yeah, I've had, I've had brands reach out. Um, it's usually smaller brands that nobody's really heard of. Um, but I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really into that aspect of it. I'll, I'll try something new if, if it's something I like and if it proves itself to me to be a, a product that I enjoy using, I'll promote it. Not really promote it, but I'll, I'll, I'll recommend it. Um, I really don't get into that too much though. Here's something I want to throw out. We've said it a couple of different times uh, over the weeks because it blew my mind when I heard it on an episode. Yeah, I listened to a couple of different podcasts too. And there was a brand that was on that uh, wants you to go to their training facility. And when you're at the training facility, if you don't know correction, then you're not allowed to put their protection on. So Joey, I'm going to ask this to you and then I'll, I'll, I'll throw it around. Do, do you, uh, and especially over the years when you're going to put a protection, right? 
could be a wax, could be a sealant, could be a coating, could be what's that new in graphene, right? There could be a bunch of different ways that you protect a car. Do you always correct it before you put on a protection? No. And I, here's why I don't in Hawaii. I will do what I call a paint enhancement because I've seen vehicles where the detailer will chase every single thing that wet sand. They'll, they'll do a great job, but I just don't feel like ceramic coatings, any of them are a substitute for clear coat. I'm more about preserving it. So, you know, if I can decon a car without taking a polisher to it, I would say about 75% of the jobs I do are, are using a decon product and clay or maybe not even a clay just to get the, the fallout out and then I can coat it. If that's something the customer wants, I'm usually going to tell talk them down. I don't try to do two-stage unless it's like a babied car that's going to be in the garage and he doesn't drive it all the time. But I feel like correction was a way to get people amped about um, ceramic coatings and stuff like that. I don't feel it's necessary. Even on my own car, like I don't take a light and go look at the bottom side of my car to see if there's swirls. If I see swirls in the sun, I might think, do something about it. But as far as that, I'm trying to ignore those things because it's the, it's just going to ruin your experience of being an owner of a vehicle. You're going to constantly do it. And as you're polishing, you know, the first couple of times you can polish a vehicle and it's cool. Um, so to answer your question, usually if I do a paint correction, it's to get rid of water spot etch marks. Other than that, I'm telling the customer, look, you don't need to polish out these swirls unless that's something that you want. And I don't recommend it. I don't do it to my own car. So if you're cool with living with a few micro marks, uh, a few deeper swirl marks and stuff like that, then yeah, we that's the real it. world, right? Yeah, like that's that's real life. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like selling someone something that you know is going to degrade, and you got them amped on. You know, this is the this is the answer to your your uh, question. And really, it's just going to come back and want the first time you wash a car sloppy you're going to start getting micro marring again. And, and so, I don't know. I just, I set people up for success. I don't try to, you know, and, that, and the thing is back before coatings, like polishing and stuff like that, that was the, our way to make money. Now there's coatings, you know, they go hand in hand and now we can make these outrageous amounts of money that wasn't available 20 years ago. So there that's, I get it. It's, it's all for us, the detailer to make more money. But at the same time, you, you know, it's, it's kind of counterproductive if you're truly, protecting something you know i feel but well i mean the counterproductive out. part like you're you're right like the first bad wash and everything's ruined so to mandate to a detailer that in order to put on this coating you have to do a correction it you're right i mean it's counterproductive because then you're going to put on a five to seven year coating and you might not see that customer again so what did it really benefit that customer to mandate to them that they have to do a full correction? Jordan, I'd love to know your opinions on this. Has the, uh, has the THC sunk in enough so that you can enlighten us with uh, some great wisdom? I can't tell. I, I'm not a good control for that experiment because I'm, I'm just always. I did a big old dab before. Oh, he's, he's so we're all right, yeah. <laughs> what what'd you dab before? But uh some uh live resin. That I yeah, got. I love the live yeah. resin. Uh do you know what, what strain? Uh, you don't have to go get it, it's all good. No, yeah, I don't I can't remember off the top. Of I've been on cookies, but, it's a uh it's a hybrid, but it leans indica and it really helps soften my body. 
Uh, but you're right about the uh, the solventless. I I dabs are different, right? You if you get a yeah. solvent dab, boy, you're gonna cough and you're gonna cough and you don't ever stop. So I'm with you. I got to go solventless too. And it's also you know ten o'clock, so I'm winding down. I'm ready for bed almost. So it's ten o'clock my time on the East Coast. But uh, I mean. It all depends on the customer. That's the biggest thing for me. That's how my business is molded around. Not every customer needs a coating. Not every customer needs a full correction. You know, that's where it comes down to me. It's what the customer wants and what the customer wants to spend money on and how well they're going to maintain it. Real world for you is you put on protection without doing correction. Is that right? I'll do an enhancement. 95 well, yeah yeah time, not correction you know i mm-hmm. mean a lot of my coatings i get are direct from dealerships they're literally you know right from dealerships and bringing it right to me you know um and they're usually Ooh. chevy and they're usually black so it's always a great combo you know but those i mean i try not even black vehicles i try not even doing a five-year coating anymore i have a one-year a three-year and a five-year available and i just tell them straight up it's not even worth it on a black vehicle to do a five-year coding. I'm like, you, you'll have issues in three years, you know, and so you might as well, if you want anything, it'll be a three-year coding. Cause I'm not, I won't warranty it. You know, I won't do any of that, what they're looking for. But, that is interesting. Um, we wouldn't have heard that a couple of years ago. I mean, as yeah. coding brands continue <clears throat> to put out their message and did an incredible job of marketing. Um, you're right. I mean, we wouldn't have heard that a couple of years ago. You learn, I mean, there's nothing that's bulletproof. You know, I mean, PPF. I mean, I've had customers that have full-blown PPF on the front of an ex- expedition and they'll get chips in it. And they're like, it's not supposed to get chips. And it's like, you're not supposed to go on 120 down the highway, but you're getting a rock chip. If a rock hits you at 120 miles an hour, you know, it's going to happen. So it is what it is. I mean, you can only do so much and it's all customer expectations. And then it comes down to your word. You know, if a customer has an issue on a three-year coding in a year, are you going to stand by that coding? Are you going to stand by your shop's word? And are you going to take care of it? I like That's it. where I'm at with it, you know. But it ain't worth it spending two days doing a full correction. I mean, half the stuff I get, too, are trucks or Escalades or expeditions that are extended. You know, it's, n- it's not worth it. Daily drivers. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's not and big. I wouldn't want to do a two, three step on it. You know, I wouldn't. <laughs> want, I, I, I would. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've got a GMC. I got. I, for some reason, I get always stuck. Tiffany, I'm okay with you taking the GMCs. Listen, I'll send them your way because I. I mean, I'm sitting here struggling tonight, just in pain from back here. And I had a GMC come in that they had. They'd spilled some paint. And I had paint all down it, and. You know, that was the first thing that he wanted off. And I asked him, I go, okay, cool. This, and this is the way I journeyed. Alex, I see your hand. I'll, raise, I'll, I'll get to you in just a second. This was my journey out of the multi-layers and out of all that correction that they were requiring was the customers would just get in their car, hop in, say, it looks great, and take off. And it's like, whoa, do you realize what it took to do that? And they don't. And they don't really care. And they don't really see it. So I started to ask people when they would drop off the car, well, what do you see? Right. So this guy, he drops off his, well, he's coming in to get his initial, you know, his initial quote, walking me through the paint splatter, walking me everything. I'm like, great. I'll get all that off. No problem. 
I'm going to need to polish your car because I'm going to be rubbing on it. Well, truck, right? I'm going to be rubbing on it. So I'm going to need at least polish it. But I want to ask you, what is it when you look at your truck, what is it that you see? And it's a great question to ask because then you'll understand what they're actually wanting, right? So for him, he saw this metallic, and that's why he bought it. No, he, it's brown instead of black. And he, he loves the metallic that pops out of it. Great. You know, when I polish it, the metallic's going to come out even more. When I coat it, it's going to come out even more. So we walk through what he would need in protection layer. You know, like, do you want one? Do you want two? Do you want three? You know, these are your options. And he chose a two-year, and he chose simply a polish because when I had him look at the sun, I go, look at the sun. See this? You and I, everybody here would see all these massive uh, car wash marring, right? Like all this shit. We would all see it. Him, he goes, well, I see my metallic. Okay, cool. I'm going to give you a polish and then I'm going to coat it and it's going to make your metallic even better. I don't have to go through a full correction. That's it's ludicrous to yeah, make that, that guy go through a full correction and spend the money when he doesn't even see the issues he had. Alex, uh, you got your hand up. What's your thoughts? Um, <laughs> I remember what I was going to say. There was two, there was two things. Oh, the, the, so the first was, was about corrections. Um, the client I would just was talking about, um, he has a collection of classic Jaguars. So I did, um, a 1990 Jaguar XJS. It was like, like a, a really bright red, beautiful car. And he was getting, he was getting a, an enhancement in, in coding. The car had been repainted. So I wasn't, I wasn't really concerned about taking too much clear off. Um, but I did educate him on, on the same theory that everybody else seems to have. Um, that it's really not necessary to try to chase perfection or remove that much clear coat that it would take to do that. Um, so I, I, I polished the car. There was a day in between when I could prep it and, the, and it was going to get coated. And he decided to take it to a car show an hour away on the highway into the city. And while he was there, he wiped it down with, a, with a, like a quick detail spray. So I get there the next morning. And I pull it out of the garage and the first thing I do is look at it in the sun and, and the car was in worse shape than, than when I originally polished it um, or enhanced it. So I did it again and then I coated it. I had issues with, with the coating flashing way too fast. So I, had, I polished it a third time to take the coating off to reapply a different brand. And then probably a week later, he had me go back and, and do one of the other Jaguars, an XJ7. And that had been coded by somebody else about eight months ago before I started um, detailing his cars. And the thing was completely swirled to shit, like micro scratches everywhere. And that was like kind of the light bulb going off. Like, man, like people really like he, he thinks that car looks great. I don't. I think it looks like shit. But <laughs> you think it looks like shit. Joey thinks it looks like shit. They're not looking. They're not seeing the same things that we look that we look for or that we see. Um, so that was kind of like. Like I, I've always had the mentality, like, oh man, if I, if my name's gonna be on it, if my name's gonna be on it, I want I want this level of of perfection. Um, but that's that's really not the case. And the other the other thing was just to touch base. I've I've said it before. I, I don't really sh try to sell six year coatings, ten year coatings, anything like that. Two to three years is my sweet spot. 
my selling point is is the same thing. Like in, in five years, the car's going to have scratches. I could wash it myself and maintain it monthly and nobody else touches it. And there's going to be micro scratches. There's going to be marring. There's going to be swirls. Um, it doesn't matter. It takes it takes one fucking thing in your wash mitt to scratch it. Like it's, it's going to happen. So I, I don't really see the point in selling, you know, make a little extra money up front. I would rather in three years have them come back and pay me a second time. And then you can sell it to them by, okay, well, you'll save money up front if you go with a three-year versus a six or a 10-year. And your car is going to look better for longer because if they come back, do it a second time, they'll get six years of actually, you know, a good-looking car. I agree. Joey, thoughts? I agree. So the thing is, you know, you can, you can put a six-year, five-year coating on a car at about the two-and-a-half-year mark. The thing is going to be swirled out again, so... Uh, I tell the client that I said, look, let's you pretty much let's keep as much clear on there. So when the car really gets beat to shit, I can really dig in. So, you know, I don't feel correction is, is worth it. It's worth it because we over educate clients. And, you know, the reason why I realized that correction didn't matter is because I've done thousands of details where I didn't do correction. I just put a wax or a sealant over a clade or decontaminated surface and they were blown away. Exactly. So I always ask, I always ask the customer, do swirls bother you? Do you see swirls? And most people, it doesn't bother the two out of 10 that it bothers. They're not, they, they may not want to pay. It's that 1% or that 10, that, that, that last one that is like, yeah, I want it. I want it perfect. And I don't want to deal with those people because they're going to start, they're going to mess it up. And it's just, a, it's, it's just a toxic thing that we've adopted in the industry that I feel like, you know, we can do without it. You can make a car look good. You can coat a car. You can do a paint enhancement, coat the car. And most people will be happy with that. It's when, you know, they get on YouTube, they start following these detailers that every car they touch is perfect. That's not the real world. Or, you know, or brands, we, right? Or brands that do really great job at marketing. They're hitting cars. They're setting them on fire. They're showing these really <laughs> cool videos, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't just say it's just the detail. You're like, you're absolutely correct, right? There's these people that get paid, which we saw a couple months ago. They get paid $16,000, right, to say that this product makes beads, right? Awesome, right? Yeah. But there's also brands that do that, too. Yeah. Joey, you know, Joey, would, Joey would kill to be able to do that. I, hey, make, I'm working, I'm working towards it. You know, wherever there's an opportunity to make money, there's going to be some form of corruption. That's just how the world is. That's mostly, you know, the U.S. especially. So it's a, it, when I establish a relationship with the customer, I'm straightforward with them. I'm like, I wouldn't do this in my car. You can do it. This is what it's going to cost. This is what I would recommend. And this is what's going to happen. It's not a bulletproof vest. It's not everything's going to still happen. It's just going to happen at a slower rate. And most people, they're cool with that, you know? And then I have customers that'll get a gold package and they'll sell their car in six months and now they want to do it on the next one. It's A lot of it is the hype. A lot of people come to me, they don't know what the hell a ceramic coating is. They don't, they just know their friends got it <laughs> and they want to get it too. There's a small percentage of people that actually know almost as much as we do if they're on YouTube and they're following, but they're still, they don't, they don't understand. It's not real, realistic have a daily driver that's going to get beat up every day expect the paint to stay perfect we want to do our best you know we want to when you're washing a car swirls and stuff are going to happen the, the whole goal of the game 
is to reduce all that stuff so that it takes longer. And that, that, that's what I tell people, you know, we're, we're swirls are going to happen. We just want to prevent, you know, how soon they happen. That's why we do two bucket washes. That's why I recommend O&R washes and stuff like that. So a lot of that stuff, you know, it's just the extra, they had to make the detailing industry look flashy and look sexy and appealing so that we could get more money. They did this, these corrupted things for us, you know? So it's up to you to be like, yeah, you know, embrace it or, or they yeah, for them too because yeah them. it's fucking us over it's fucking us over it is so you know at the end of the day you're the one who has that customer in front of you and you have to say look i know it looks like this that you can light your car on fire but that's just not the case okay and that's the conversation i have with a lot of people a lot of people i tell them you know there's a lot of hype and things like that you may go to someone else and they're going to promise you everything i'm going to talk you out of buying this service from me and if you still want to do it at least you know that I told you everything. That's why a lot of people like me because I, it seems like when I'm selling a coating, I'm trying to talk them out of it, you know? And I'm like, you can still get water sluts. You can still get swirls. You can get all this. The two things you're going to get are ease of maintenance and the car is going to stay cleaner longer. That's it. That's all I sell. And if you still want to do it, I will do it. And, you know, I've turned, I've had a few people say, thank you for your honesty. You know, I'd rather just use uh, Adam spray every time I wash it or whatever. And uh, go that route. And then there's people that's like, fuck it, let's just do it anyway. You know, you know, they just feel like being a baller that day. So it's, the, the main thing is, yeah, people are, are getting customers to come to us for something, but it's your, it's your moral responsibility because that guy's going to be calling you to just make sure you set the record straight. Good advice. Good advice. Brandon from Shawshank. I just had a question because I keep hearing everyone say the same thing. Do people really coat cars, you guys, and two years later, they're, they don't look good anymore? That's like a thing everyone's going through? I haven't if seen I, it. Is, is my mic on? It. Is my mic on? So who was, if, who? if I have customers that take care of their shit and I have customers that don't. So, yes, in some cases I have, I have a Kenzo car that's over five years that still beads. I have guys who have had the same Kenzo not fail, but not perform ideally in two years. So yeah, it depends on the customer and it depends on the environment and things of that nature. You know, there's a lot of variables. So I would say 75% of my coatings are great. The other 25%, maybe it was me and maybe it was the lifestyle of the customer. It's all about the lifestyle, I think. Joey, why would you think it's you? May, me being you, that, I mean, I, hold on. Let me ask this in a different way. Do you really think you didn't wipe it on in the exact right way? And like, you didn't maybe just leave it on at the exact right time to wipe it back off. And you didn't use the exact wiping methods that certain people recommend. Like, do you really think that your application is what kept it from, from holding up? I think it's my fault if I didn't educate them properly and get them to show back up. And that's it. So I take responsibility for that because I have done, I want to say at least a hundred coatings that I've never seen them again. You didn't maintain the cars. I did maintain the car. And you, you know, the coating, the topper is going to be, you know, depending on what your topper is, you could sell a one year coating and top it every six months with sport and it will last forever. And so it just depends. Like these, these other sealants, I don't feel like they're hit or miss. I put, I'm not going to say the brand I put, 
X brand on a car and the code and this, you know, depending on how the customer drives their car, washes it, that it didn't last. In my opinion, sport will last, even if it's neglected. I drive my van through the car wash all the time and it still beads like crazy. So I, my, my thing was finding the best topper because whoever has the best topper is going to have the best results long-term for the goal. Maintenance. Uh, maintenance. It's still the yeah. key, right? Like, yeah. it's interesting, right? It's interesting how that's re-evolving back. But from like 2015 to 2020, it wasn't maintained. It was hit them for this big ticket, hit them, hit them, hit them. Because the economy was great. Brands were marketing that way. It was a big movement. But it is interesting how the industry is really starting to open up speak freely and say, Hey, actually the way to do it is what you said. You know, every couple so, months, every six so months, have, every little have, bit, continue to see the customer. Don't one night stand your customer, but see them on a regular basis, give them a good value and continue to maintain their car form. Brandon, I so know I'm you're shaking your hand, your head from Tim's. What, what are your thoughts? You know, uh, maintenance is key. I mean, I try to, I got a membership program that I try to get everybody out. Every detail I do, I try to get them on my membership program. I can touch them as much as possible. Why? Well, I mean, you know, it keeps their car clean and it's, you know, the maintenance is, is more money in your pocket and they always have a clean car. I mean, who doesn't like driving a, a perfectly clean car? Okay, but let's let's throw this elephant out in the room, right? Right? Of course, Joey, if you could get the big ticket items and you could just not, you know, every day just continue to knock them out for 10 years, right? Of course, that would be the dream. You're absolutely right. But what is the reality of life and in business and where we are in today's industry, today's economy, today's world? I mean, is that the most practical avenue? But then the opposite side, right, Joey? Let's be completely transparent, too. And Brandon opened, everybody's open, right? To do maintenance is going to require team members, right? We can't, like you said, 100. 100 cars have come through your business that you don't ever see again. Imagine if those cars continued, you saw them, what your actual business would continue to do but then the work it takes to keep the team members to have these people come in so that they can just do these incremental type details, these maintenance details, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough deal, right? Like, that's what makes business so difficult. Brandon from Shawshank, you're raising your hand. I was just going to agree with you because I try to balance both by myself. And it's tough. Honestly, it's extremely yeah, I difficult. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I'm I doing do everything it. I can to bring on people legally. I'm trying to square some things away so I could do it. Cause same here. I'm losing, I'm losing business. I, I had to advertise those book for the year. Cause I'm Have trying to, to balance, I'm trying to balance both and I'm still getting calls, even though I said that. And it's, yeah. you can't without people. You can't. You can't. And it, it is the most difficult part of growing a business is having team members with you to grow at the same time. Uh, Joey, I, I know you were trying to hop in a second ago. What are your thoughts? I totally agree with that. Um, and so what I do is I have these part-time helpers that I'll, I'll book like as many maintenance details in a day. We've got it down to about 45 minutes each car. So we've knocked those out. 
Um, so you have yeah. started to maintain these people's cars that come I've, into your business. I've always maintained people, but if the thing is, people are like, I got a five-year coating. I don't. I had a guy the other day, right? He got a he got a bronze package. It's two years. He tells me after he picks up the car, he said, "Okay, so I'll see you in two years." So I'm like, "That's not how it works." I'm like, "I got to see you." And they, the, the manufacturer has their recommendations, but I live here. I know what it's going to take. Like, if you wait over six months, if you do an annual inspection, your car is going to take almost as long as a detail. So if you come back every three to six months, which is what my period is, you get a huge discount. Your, your, your maintenance is 150 bucks. It's an inside vacuum, outside, you know, decon, and you get sport again. So it's up to them to come back. You know, and most people are like, oh, I paid for the thing. I don't need it again. You know, that, that's another thing. I think there's a problem with it, with this whole coding thing is they, they hear the five year mark and they're like, well, my car should be good for five years. And I've had people who got their cars coded from the dealership and it's not beating. It's everything's sticking to it. And they think that they're good. I'm not going to say, yeah, you wasted 2,500 bucks. You know, that's the sticker price on a coating at the dealership here. Um, and your coating is not even beating. You know, so what I do is I say I can boost your coating and then I sell that. I sell them a sport and then they, they realize, yeah, okay. So, you know, it's a, there's a lot of things that maintenance is good, but maintenance can be overwhelming. I have people chasing me down for maintenance details. No matter how high I charge, they want to do it. And that's the thing. You eventually, like Shawshank said, you're going to need, like Brandon said, you're going to need to have some kind of employee. It's better to get hiring and testing people sooner than later, because at some point you're going to hit this plateau where it's like your ass is going to be on the line for all these cars. And now because, you know, say if you have a sick day and then they got to wait another 30 days for their maintenance, like people are going to start blaming you for the issues with their coding because you didn't get them in under that period. But some people really follow the rules and read the read the warranties and they, they do everything. And, and so if you held them back, like technically you're liable, right? Yeah. And I think that's where it mostly ends up. Right. Because if any of your customers go through a car wash, a lot of companies void their warranty. So then it just falls on the detailer and the detailer is going to look at the customer and go, I'm sorry, you went through a car wash. The $4,500 you spent is void. I mean, that's it a tough deal, them. right? Like, that's it a tough deal to them. try and tell somebody. All right. So I think it's time, Derek. Uh, so Joey, this is the interesting part, right? This is the interesting part of the night. Good call, Nick, but you were gone. I couldn't go Morning. over to you. So let's go over to you, Nick. You had your camera off. All right. So cooking with I'll Nick, is the it all finished? Picture, man. It's all finished. I just finished. Let me, uh, let me turn this around. I think you guys are going to like this. We got some sesame oh, on that beef. I see sesame. that. Okay. Okay. Panda Express style Mongolian beef. Basically what I said earlier. Uh, zoom in closer, old. man. G give us Wait, some close-up. Give yeah, us some close-up. Go back, go back. Yeah, come on. Don't tease us like that. Look, it's fogging <laughs> up. It's so hot. What's in the uh, – what's what you drinking? Gin and tonic. Oh, that's that's good. great. Um, nice yeah. gin, too, with a little orange in there. You know how it is. Mm, nice touch. Hey, but I think the apron looks the best, right? Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Brings out the color in your eyes. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> so, Joey, the, the uh, Brandon, Brandon from Tim's made that apron for him because uh, every time Nick comes on, he's always cooking. So we have cooking with Nick, and that's, uh, awesome. that's his apron. 
That's let's, nice. Uh, let's let's, let's, let's say actually my wife like, made that. Yeah, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> hey, Good Mar- disclaimer. Marty. Yeah. Hey, can we real quick? Um, you you brought up about like brands reaching out uh, for people to kind of represent their you know their brand and their products in the in the groups. Um, Derek, has any has any uh, knee pad companies reached out to you <laughs> to try to get you to use their product? No, no, not. I mean that I, I did post that Amazon review, and uh, but Amazon has not reached out yet. But uh, Derek, I bought. Some. I might be sending you something, Derek. I'm telling you, man, yeah. this is the best damn knee pads. I don't care. I, you guys can laugh. That's why <laughs> your I, logo I, on it. You on I, this, man. I told I you that's why. Put that your logo on. I never wore them for the longest time. It's because, like you said, you walk into places, you got the white, you got the compound all over your shoulders. People know what you've been doing. Y'all, you've been on yep. your knees all day. But well, they know what you've been doing too. <laughs> I got multiple comments on my, my friends because I always got those old man. And my friends like Derek, your knees looking a lot better. And I'm like, I'm wearing those knee pads, like so. Well, <laughs> apparently Brandon from Tim's is going to get to see those knee pads here uh, pretty soon. Y- yes, I was gonna say I I am in for lunch Monday. Me well, and Tim, so, so I am in uh, North Carolina. I'm in Charlotte right now for the next three weeks for my other job, and uh, I, I I was texting Brandon. We're gonna meet up on Monday to for some uh, some lunch, and uh, yeah, he'll get to see my knees, and I'll, we'll take a picture together. <laughs> let, let us Yo, know I bought some, Derek. I actually bought a nice set of knee pads. I gotta show you. I'm t- I'm telling you, man, life's there, but. But uh, Brandon, if uh, from Shawshank, if you got, if you got that little, I think I know what you're talking about that little pad that Max Shine has now. Yes, I will. I will use that, and I'll be like, look what I got from Brandon. So they they sent me. I was thinking about it right away. I was thinking about you because they sent me the new brochure, and I saw that. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> that's for DJ. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Tiffany, do you use knee pads? <laughs> <laughs> no, Mark. <laughs> Tiffany, hey, hey, Tiffany has said Tiffany came on episodes years ago and we had a female detailer episode and they completely said that shop talk was available at any point in time. Yeah, it's not, I prefer I prefer when they squat my knees. So I probably should like wear knee pads because like, yeah, they're getting kind of crusty. Yeah, I like my BMX knees. I'm okay with mine's that. Mine's horrible. My knees are horrible. Well, Derek has a suggestion for you on some knee pads. Or I'll Brandon from Shawshank, he has a, a pad that you might a pad wear. you can put on. Awesome, because I, I need it. I'm on my knees all day long. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't got compound all over your shirt, that's that's really what we want to make sure. If we want to call it, then that's what we're going to call it. Oh, Just God. in your hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good question, Alex. Good question, Derek. All right. This is the time. So, Joey, let me let me set you up with this moment. This is the tab out question. It's time to close the bar down. And I don't know if it's been you. It could be. But if you've ever gone, it could be you that's at the end of the bar or you could be trying to tab out and there's this like random dude at the end of the bar that's drunk that asks you some random ass question. Right. So that's either you <laughs> or it's Derek from uh, DJ DD telling in our pub. It's Derek. He's got the tab out question of the night. Uh, so Derek, what is it? All right. This is uh kind of to go along with uh, last week's question. So uh, 
it's a bit of a story. So you stay over at your ex uh, girlfriend's house or, or boyfriend, stay over your ex's house. <laughs> and when when you wake up in the morning, you realize that you pissed the bed. <laughs> what are you are you gonna just run out or are you gonna tell him what you did? All right, uh, I'm drunk. Yes, you are drunk because I'm. Okay, I'll, so I'll, I'll be honest. I've done that before, and that was this, a long time this ago. is this is easy. This is great. It is. You, you crack. You crack a beer. You fucking light between the two of you. You wake up. Say, oh shit! I spilled my beer. <laughs> Not that I have experience done. with that. Yeah. No. That was, that was my next question. That was my next question. Have you done that before? Uh, <laughs> I didn't think that far ahead when I did it. <laughs> Um, however, I was on my honeymoon. Oh, oh yeah. acceptable though. Like, I oh. got so fucked up one night and they just passed <laughs> out and then pissed the fucking bed. Like yeah. on don't, the honeymoon and she woke up the next day and yeah, that was not good. Don't worry, Marty. I, I didn't do it on my honeymoon, but I, I woke up with the fan on. And complete and close. I woke up and I was feeling the bed going, man, I'm cold. And I was like, I love something. Going, oh, I pissed the bed. So I had to get up and change the sheets real quick. So uh, this is when I still lived in my parents' house. Well, my mom's like, why are you washing the clothes? I'm like, oh, the sheets, they were stinking. I don't know what was going on. And just, I never told nobody. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Maybe she's into that shit and you just roll with it. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> I mean, if you're not peeing on your girl, are you really together? It's like show me it together without really showing me it together. <laughs> and you're both wet. <laughs> there you go. You know, everybody's happy. You're both wet. I agree. <laughs> All right. Think Eco. Have you ever peed a bed? No, no, he's like, no, no hell no, never. I'm not even answering no. that shit. <laughs> no, he's out. That's All right. Never. I, I love how the question just turned into, have you ever pissed the bed? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I was two. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany, do you have any uh, interesting moments with an ex or anybody that uh, has urinated all over the, uh, <laughs> the sheets? Um, I actually, can I tell a cat story? <laughs> yes. Are you a crazy cat woman? Well, yes. It, technically, yes. Um, okay, so I, I have <laughs> this cats? four, four cats, yeah. dogs, and a bird. <laughs> but, <laughs> but full disclaimer, full disclaimer, you came from the veterinarian side of the world. Yeah, I, I, I did. Um, yeah, that, that's where I spent most of my life before I was a detailer was a veterinarian technician. So. Yeah, that's why I have so many animals. Treat, so get the pass. Yeah, so I have this cat, and if if I don't clean the litter box or like right on time or whatever, so we'll be we'll be laying in bed, and all of a sudden, like, and it's always on me. It's always on my pillow and on my head. Like seriously, I'll be sound asleep, and she's pissing on me. Oh and, no! Yeah. Yeah, she, I, I don't know why she's not dead yet, but I guess just. <laughs> hey, so I, I'm down to one dog. <laughs> oh, no, you're. Wait, what? What happened to the puppy? Wait, no, the puppy's still here. Oh, no, Marty. No. It's the, the older dog, dog that kept pissing everywhere. Oh, no. Yeah. No, don't. Oh, no. 
I'm thankful I'm down to one dog. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you were sad, you know, if you had a dog for so long. I did, but you're right. Like it's just they piss all over the place. It's like, okay, we gotta we gotta do something about this. <laughs> all right, Brandon from Shawshank. Uh I know you're married, you got kids, but you know, any uh back in the day, do you ever uh you ever wake up and go, Oh shit? Well, to the original question, I would just wait till she woke up, look over and pull a Tommy boy and be like, What did you do? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. And, I'll and DJ, boy, actually. DJ, can you see it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what is it? Explain That's that knee pad, the mat. Knee pad. I saw it. It's a mat, yeah. so you don't actually have to wear the pad, so no one's going to bother you. Yeah, I mean, I get. I walked into a place like, what, what are those knee pads for? <laughs> All right. So, Joey, do you need knee pads? You know, I have uh, <laughs> yoga mats that I lay down. See, see, protecting his knees. Good call. Good call. Good call. All right. So, have you woken up in a bed and gone, uh oh? I know. I had to really think back, but nope, I haven't yet. But I'm pretty sure uh, it'll happen one day. <laughs> <laughs> and what will you do? I will always try to do what's right. I will, you know start washing the sheets <laughs> <laughs> go oops okay I'll, I'll i'll fix what i made a mistake on yeah or i'll just blame my kid because that's my son does that he'll, he'll lay in bed and pee uh <laughs> sometimes so yeah <laughs> good call pass it off to the kid i like it <laughs> yeah all right dave uh what about you have you uh woken up with an oopsie <laughs> more times than I care to admit I was never the one who discovered it first though because I was always still passed out yeah that's that's rough yeah. how'd that go I, I guess uh, I had no choice but to, I, I could lie but I, I'm just not that guy <laughs> I'm with you alright Nick what about you? After you've enjoyed some nice foods, a couple of beverages, you wake up. Is there ever uh, that oopsie moment? Dude, if I'm oh, with no. somebody, you're playing that off immediately. It's something else immediately. Either you just laugh at a funny TikTok so hard that you piss yourself, or it's just way too damn hot in that room and you woke up and it's sweat. But <laughs> the key is you got to catch it before she does. And so, like, yeah, if you her, catch it and her. she's still asleep next to you, you can wake up like, hot. damn, it's hot in here. This bed is soaked. Tear off the sheets before she notices the smell. Done. Set. She doesn't know anything. Handled. So your, your way of doing it is the shaggy style, huh? It wasn't me. <laughs> it hung me on the camera. It no, wasn't no. me. It wasn't Locked me. In it wasn't right you. and saw me. It wasn't me. But it, it wasn't me. Not me. It's, it's not pee. It's sweat. Or you just laughing too hard. Like, she can't know. You just pissed a bed. Like. Good. Good. I like it. All right, Jordan, what about you? So, I'll, I'll hark earlier to the drunken high at the same time. Um, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, no, um, no. <laughs> when uh, I used to cook, I used to work on a cruise ship, and they stacked you like sardines in it. 
I was out in Hawaii, so that's how I know about Hawaii. And Joey, you're are you on Oahu? Yes, sir. So on Saturdays, it was always in the harbor on Saturdays in Honolulu. But uh I'd always be out there. But uh that's cool. Yeah, what year so, was this? Oh, 2007, 2007 to 2011, I was out there. So, Joey, were and you in I, the same area? <laughs> I was in Vegas around that time. Oh, I was oh, like, okay. God damn. Like, yeah, I moved to California right after that. So I moved to Bay Area, California. But anyways, on this cruise ship, I turned 21 out there and I was all drunk and I was all high and I drank a whole bottle of champagne. And my That'll ex was... My ex was in my cabin with me, and we had other bunk mates there, other roommates. And I puked this whole bottle of champagne up, and all I did was flip my pillow over and went right back. Oh, <laughs> oh! And there was no denying it the next morning. So whatever. But yeah, that's not shameful. I was twenty-one year old me. That was years ago, though. Yeah, it was what it is. I don't drink. Right. I don't drink like that anymore. I don't either. It's it's as you get. I mean, as you just progress in years, you just can't keep doing it. Can't, Absolutely can't do not. it. Can't, can't do keep it. doing it. John from Ryan Shine for the last. I'm out though. You guys have a good night. Good to see you, Jordan. Nice to see you, Jordan. Bye. Yeah, I would grab a beer, shake it up, and wake both of us up real fast. Be like, <laughs> party time! Let's get this party going. Get her up, moving around, and get those sheets off real quick. That's what I would do. <laughs> Good call. All right, Joey, we're going to close it out. I'm going to give you your last thoughts. You know, anything you want to say, um, the floor is yours. Yeah. So I want to say, um, you know, the whole, I put my name on that thing, you know, back in a while back, everyone was calling people out and I can get it. You know, you would have a competitor's job. You would say, Oh, they didn't do this, but I think that's kind of a shitty thing to do it now moving forward. Because you don't know what was discussed with the customer about their correction work. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. You don't know what was discussed and things of that nature. So anytime you deal with the customer, you know, don't make them feel bad about their purchase. Just tell them what you would have done better and maybe they'll go with you. But as far as like calling detailers out anymore, I think that's last. That's so last year. <laughs> you know? Okay. We're all nice trying one. to we're all trying to eat here. You know, if someone sees my car and they call me out, hey, they don't know what I discussed with the customer. And as far as I know, he was happy when he picked it up. That's why he paid. So yeah. Cool, man. I, I really appreciate your time. Thank uh, you. I know it's in the middle of your day. You're quite a few hours behind us. So, you know, I know you got cars to work on, a business to run and everything going on. So, man, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come join us for the community. Um, it's great to uh, great to meet you. Great to learn who you are. And thanks for all that you've talked about. Uh, Think Eco, I was looking down. I saw your message. Let's jump into that next time. You know, how do we treat PPF or something? Uh, apologies. I'm just now seeing your message. So definitely let's jump into that next time. Uh, guys, thanks so much, gals. Thank everybody for coming on. Uh, Alex, as always, appreciate you hopping in. Tiffany, great to I see you. Me. Thank you for uh, coming in and spending your time. Brandon from Shawshank, always great. Uh, Derek, good question. Really enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> enjoy your time there in uh, South Carolina, and hopefully uh, you'll get to see. I was going to say North Carolina. Oh, my bad. I like North Carolina. Board. I, 
I, I can drive right over the south. It's so close. <laughs> in the Carolinas. In the Carolinas. In the Carolinas. So three weeks. Three weeks, unfortunately. I wish I was back. Yeah. Uh, when did you head there? I got here on Sunday, um, and then we didn't really start working until Tuesday, and we're doing a big remodel on the Best Buy down here. I probably um, passed right by you. Me and the family got back Sunday from Ocean City, Maryland. Ocean City? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like we're, and I'll go, I was going to tell Joey, I'm actually going to be in uh, Hawaii for my uh, honeymoon on, on uh, November. Uh, sorry. Uh, October 30th, we're going to be on both the islands. So we're going to go to one and fly to the second island. So I'll try to find out where the shop is. So, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, swing by. Uh, yeah. I know Brandon went out there and enjoyed it. I mean, Hawaii, apparently, from all the fit- photos I've seen, is gorgeous. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick, thanks. Uh, thanks for the uh, cooking with Nick. It's good to see you, man. The, uh, the beef looked great. Um, Dude, uh, yeah. I'll send you photos of uh, what was cooked. I got some tilapia and stuff going on over there. So I'm going to hey, go head over and eat something. If you guys ever want a recipe for anything I make, DM me. I got you. Yeah. Great job. Easy. Everything yeah. I make is, is stupid easy. Steam me. And what's your, uh, how do they DM you? If you want to DM me, uh, easiest way is just to reach out on Instagram um, is it's underscore grooms ITS underscore G R O O M S reach out to me there and I'll send you a video or however I got the recipe and yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. John, uh, thanks for hopping in. Always great to have you apart. So everybody, thank you so much. Enjoy your week. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks for community. Thanks. Thanks, See you guys. See you for listening to that episode and if you got any value out of it hey go share it go let people know what you heard on the pints of polishing podcast and listen if you want to leave us a review we would love that you know five star one star hey whatever you think we deserve if you would leave us a review greatly appreciate that and thank you so much for being a part of community Mm -hmm.